0: Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick, Push, Pivot podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth.
1: And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen.
0: Okay. Welcome everyone to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. We've got a great guest today, Matt Farrell, um, who runs the healthcare life sciences and public health practice within Accenture. And Matt,
2: welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. Very uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: You got it. And uh, before we get into the podcast today, Alex, my co-host, welcome of to the course. show again.
1: Thank you. Good to be here again. Still here.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I, love, I love this opportunity to kind of dig into some of the trends that we see on what is the world looking like uh, in this new uh, dynamic of personalized care technology and kind of some of the trends we're seeing come out of the most recent pandemic. And Matt, our guest today, is going to help walk us through kind of his personal background, how he got into healthcare, but also what is he seeing there? So Matt, why don't you give us a short, uh, quick introduction of kind of what you're doing today in your current role, and then we're going to dive back into the into the past and pull out uh, how you got into where you are today.
2: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So um, like I mentioned, I work for Accenture. Um, I spend the majority of my time focused on, on Salesforce, but really in the healthcare and life sciences space is where I've, I've spent my last 18 years, and I've been lucky enough to hit on Just about every segment uh, that falls within that. I've spent a lot of time with pharmaceutical companies, med tech, um, payers, providers, and just as of recently, public health as well. So it's been a really exciting um, opportunity to really see how all the different pieces come together or, or don't come together in some instances, but also see the evolution of technology over the last 18 years and how that's really changed how we're able to provide that that better and more, more holistic healthcare experience.
0: I don't think there's a hotter topic right now out there other than healthcare technology. seems like every single (laughs) news article or fast company startup that's getting injections of cash is in the healthcare technology space. So I'm looking forward to this conversation today. So Matt, throw us back to how you got started to healthcare. Bring us back. Where did you grow up and uh, how did you get connected into the world you're in today?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. So I grew up in Florida. I spent the majority of that time in Tampa. um, And uh, I I loved it there. Um, But when uh, the time came to look at colleges, I was ready to, to try out something new, maybe maybe a little bit cooler. And uh, the farthest north, most Florida people are willing to go is about North Carolina. I think that's the, the top as I understand it. So uh, I ended up in, in Duke, which I know Pete is a personal favorite of, of yours. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep, you got a rivalry right.
0: brewing here. That's right. In fact, I think we were we were like twin spirits, kindred spirits until you made that life, life decision because I also grew <laughs> up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I moved to North Carolina, but then I picked the right side of the force which is UNC Chapel Hill (laughs) but I don't hold that against you everybody makes bad decisions but it's about where you go from there
2: that's that's good thank you I appreciate that uh forgiveness um
1: yeah and Tampa is like the uh new championship town of the United States too it's like the Rays and the Bucks and every every, Tampa Bay Lightning everybody's winning championship out there in Tampa now yeah
2: Tampa Bay so we're we're excited about that as
1: well
0: oh no I heard that one I like that (laughs) Oh man, that that's pretty good. Actually, reminds me of a good dad joke. Since he oh here, are, here we go. Pretty <laughs> happened, yeah. So I know you work in the consulting space, but why can't consultants ever get long-term engagements at janitorial companies? I don't know. Why is it, Pete? They always recommend sweeping changes to the organization. <laughs>
1: Boom boom. There we Candidors go. don't like that. I'm sorry. They, just, they don't like it.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, but then
0: back back on track. Here. Yeah, moving on.
2: <laughs> but uh, but then when it was so, I, I, I made my way up to, to Duke University, and um, I was trying to say what I do. And I'd always been you know pretty focused on math and science, and engineering felt like the right place for me. And they had a really interesting degree called biomedical engineering, which I admittedly didn't know a ton about, but it, it sounded mm. really cool. And I, I like that, that. Cool. Uh, you know, when you're cool. 18 years old, sometimes that's that's all it takes. So <laughs> uh, that's what I ended up uh, graduating with at, at Duke. I uh, met my wife there, who's also a biomedical engineer. And I, uh, I was actually really into um, really into research while I was there. And, and Duke has something called the, the free electron laser laboratory, the Fell lab. And, um, I spent a lot of time there doing independent research, uh, the, the fell, uh, laser and I'll admit, I may be a bit out of date on exactly all the specifics here, but you know, one of the specialties that I recall was that it had the ability to shoot different, um, spectrums of light or light across the spectrum. And what we were focused on was figuring out what the absorption rate and refraction rate was of that light hitting different tumors so that we Hmm. could do non-invasive detection of, of different tumors and spent a lot of time there in the lab, you know, you had to come in and take your radiation badge and go back there. And it was a, it was a really cool experience. And I was really into it. And my, my path at the time was, um, and I was going to go to grad school, get my PhD in biomedical engineering and really focus on, on devices. That was at least, you know, my, my view of where things were going to go. But as, as always in life, things change. Uh, the professor that I was working with, Dr. Hooper, uh, shout out to Dr. Hooper, always uh, oh, always the nice. highest. Him. Hoop, hoop. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he eventually decided to leave right before my senior year to go pursue other opportunities. and That kind of changed my whole mindset. I was, I was spinning a little bit on what I want to do. Do I still want to go to grad school? I'm you know, still filling out grad school applications. Um, but ultimately around that time his first semester senior year is also when they have the job fairs and i known some people that had gone into consulting and I thought, okay, well, you know, especially if I don't know exactly what I want to do now, this is a great opportunity to get into a field where just the, by definition, you're going to go get to see a lot of different things from an industry perspective, from a technology perspective, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'll hang around there for, you know, a year or two and I'll figure out what I want to do and, and then I'll go. And obviously, I, I forgot that part because it's been 18 years now at Accenture. Um, and, uh, I, I, I loved it. I I love it there. Um, it's been a very cool experience. I, I started out, um, focused on pharmaceutical companies and that's where I spent a lot of my time. Um, and really the concept of, of CRM and pharma was just picking up then, which is a new concept because you're not, you're not selling into physicians. It's really about educating them on the different capabilities of, of the drugs from these different pharma companies, but also understanding who they are and what's really important to them. Sometimes it's, the safety of the drugs, and it has to have one hundred percent proven safety record over the last five years. Sometimes it's really being on the cutting edge, and you know how we can find these new treatments that are doing novel things that really are going to help my patients in differentiated ways. So, uh, oh, a lot of really interesting things there.
0: Interesting. So, you are talking about tailoring the information and data that you have that you are, you know, as a consultant, you are trying to find ways to help pharmaceutical companies really, you know, provide tailored care uh, or tailored information the doctors and their patients.
2: Yeah. And this was really, I mean, this is early days of this stuff. So there were a lot of exciting things happening and it was really, they'd have, you know, content and iPads were just coming out or tablets actually before iPads. So they're real excited. They could take this, this tablet in there, they could flip it around. They're showing the doctor the presentation and there were even <laughs> little, hidden tiles on the side so that if the physician really liked this slide, you clicked it in a certain spot and that that would go back into the analytics and say, okay, this, this slide seems to be working the doctors' Oh, side. man. Or this one down here, you click and say, yeah, oh, this one didn't really work. Um, now, yeah. whether the reps would actually do that when they were out in the field, uh, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. But it was uh, it was an interesting way to look at it. It was my first experience with really, you know, tailoring content and messaging based on the specific Aspects, not only of you know what you believe that doctor cares about, but really taking it in real time as well.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. You touched on something that I thought was kind of interesting, especially for people that are looking to get into you know the their professional lives and things like that. You kind of have an eclectic background, right? You you weren't sure exactly what you wanted to focus on, so you did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Healthcare, engineering, PhD, business, different things. And growing up, it seemed like there was a lot of people that told me you need to focus on one thing, figure out what that is and go after just that one thing. But maybe can you speak to the maybe the benefit of having more of an eclectic background, a diverse background probably helps with the uh, consulting realm as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, my perspective on anything these days, whether it's industry or technology, is it all changes so fast. And I actually think there's a danger in saying five years from now, this is the space I want to be in because so much is going to change in those five years. And if you're locked in on something that was the right thing to do back then, then you may miss the opportunities. You may miss the the growth that's right in front of you. Um, So for me, it's, it's much more about, you know, where do I want to be in six months? Where do I want to be in a year Uh, than trying to think further out? And you know, Hmm. that, that way you're always, your eyes are open. You're always listening and you're, you're able to take advantage of things as they move around so fast.
0: I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like the title of the show, you know, the pivot piece on kick push pivot here, I think that becomes kind of the cornerstone of how you develop expertise, knowledge, relationships. You're constantly adjusting to the market. You're constantly adjusting to customers and the technology piece. You have to have your head on a swivel a little bit. Like you said, you know, six to 12 months max. And sometimes, especially in the healthcare space. I mean, what, what are you seeing in the healthcare space as the biggest changes uh, lately.
2: Yeah, and, and maybe I'll just hit on that pivot point a little bit, too, because while you know some of the, the guests you've, you've had on the show have just sort of had fantastic stories of totally changing what they're doing and really seeing the opportunity. Now, I'll admit that I've been in a little bit more of a, a safer environment, but still one of my favorite things about consulting and, and working in a company as big and broad as Accenture is there's so much opportunity. And if you decide you want to go do something else, you can, you can go do it in the same place. Um, and it's just a lot easier to make those changes. So I, after I did work for pharma companies for a little while, I said, all right, this is great. I really like it, but it's time for me to do something different, to go learn something new. You know, it kind of, when you start to get really comfortable in something, that's when you start to get the itch a little bit that says, nope, I'm not pushing myself enough. So yes. at that point, uh, we were creating a new uh, a new business around this company called Velocity that was building industry verticals on top of Salesforce. And their two biggest ones were communications and, and healthcare. And, you know, it's kind of close to healthcare or pharma, but Really, pretty separate in terms of we look at the capabilities that were required, um, especially back then. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna leave the only thing I've never known since I've been at Accenture, and I'm gonna go take on these new industries. Um, and obviously, I was lucky that there's the underlying technology components, but it wasn't all brand new. But but it's intimidating, especially when you've been doing something for a while to walk into a room and you know the person who's across from you has been doing this for 20 years and they know the industry really well, and you say, well. I just decided to pick it up yesterday. So um, we have to lead in together on this a little bit. And that was really my first foray into to deep uh, healthcare and really getting a better understanding of, um, you know, what then their products was more specifically focused on the payer space. So getting more involved in terms of how payers work, um, what, how, what their, what their values are in terms of what they're trying to drive mm-hmm. and getting a better understanding of, of really like how health plans are, are built how they're sold, how they're managed, how they're serviced, and there's just a lot of interesting aspects of that that you know maybe up until that point I only knew from getting my my EOB from my my payer in the mail after I'd been to a, mm. you know an appointment and, and understanding everything that goes into that and some of the complexities mm-hmm. um, that was really interesting.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I've noticed this too. Just you know, being in the healthcare space for a little bit of time now too is in addition to the complexity piece, it's also how the money is managed and how it's distributed across the ecosystem is interesting too, right? Because payers receive payments from individuals or from business, you know, health plans, and they kind of aggregate all this money in cash, but they don't have a lot of the long-term relationships with individuals. Uh, They kind of collect the money. And then if a person moves to a different company or drops through healthcare, that relationship kind of changes. So like the, the complexity about how money sits, how people keep relationship relationships, I mean, we talked earlier about trust. So, how do you build something like that? So important to do, but so hard. Why is trust so hard to build in the in the healthcare space, if it's so important?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a challenge with it's, so much of the data is still very siloed. And when we think about our healthcare experience, we don't think about it that way. I think if you take a step back and look at the way the healthcare is set up, it, you know, if you were designing it from scratch, no one would ever do it this way. It's just it's very complicated in terms of how the different pieces come together. And uh, objectively, some of it just doesn't make sense. You know, I yeah. go see my doctor, but um, well, I don't actually pay my doctor. I pay my, you know, insurance company or, you know, it's just a whole uh, very confusing sort of landscape. And that makes it difficult for any one uh, segment of that to truly, you know, know who you are, especially when you have the ability to sort of move between different different providers and different doctors or you know, different specialists, different payers, uh, maybe if you change jobs, yeah. especially, So, you know, it just creates a lot of complexity there, and that makes it difficult to build the trust. And when there's no trust, then there's a limited willingness to share, you know, in ways that would ultimately improve healthcare outcomes for everybody. Mm -hmm. Totally.
1: Yeah. As a consultant, I mean, basically your job is to listen to problems and find ways to fix them. I'm kind of interested to hear, and maybe our viewers are as well, listeners, what kind of, what are some of the main Uh, obstacles that your clients are facing that some of the things that you guys have to deal with and help them through on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, we've already hit on some of them. I mean, certainly it is just how they get the data to be able to actually better know their customers. I mean, across the landscape of all these different segments that I've worked with, whether it's um, the pharma companies and then the people that are taking their drugs, whether it's the hospital systems and their patients, whether it's the payers and the members or the public health, um, departments and their residents, they just don't have a holistic view of, of the people that they serve. And that makes it very difficult for them to be able to personalize their messaging, their care in ways that ultimately build up that, that trust and, and enable them to, to provide the best outcomes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, consistently how you manage that data, but, but then to some extent, even what you do with it, when you have it is, is a big challenge as well. So then how are you going to actually enable you know, your your marketing team to be able to pull in information from, you know, potentially your, your latest visit to the doctor. So you can really personalize this messaging for you um, or you know how you can enable your your physician to be able to see some of the aspects of your day to day life that absolutely affect your health care. But maybe you're not sharing with them directly. So yeah. how do you bring those pieces together so that you can create that more holistic care?
1: Yeah, for yeah. sure. And you touched on an interesting piece where it's kind of like a double edged sword, like you want, you want to give your information to the provider so that they can create personalized health, but you also don't want to give it away to somebody that you don't necessarily trust. And then all of a sudden, your premiums go up or something like that. I thought that was an interesting piece. to Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, I, th- I think the concept of, you know, generally, when you ask people, and we've done this type of survey, would you share data if you truly believe that it was going to be used to, to provide you better care? Uh, there's a high percentage of people that will do that. Um, sure. But when you're going through and you know you're, you get an email about an app that your your payers may be coming out with, or there's something that says, hey, you know, we'll send you a smart scale for free if you just agree to share the data with us. Well, okay, do I think you're doing that because you're trying to make me healthier? Or do I think you're doing that so that you can watch my weight? And if my you know, weight goes above a certain percentage mm-hmm. that you can raise my premiums because you can see that I'm not right. taking care of myself. And that does create uh, a a real challenge in terms of building up that trust. And and how do you go recreate it? And there's, you know, there's, that's other, you got to do a lot to build up trust and you have to do one thing wrong to break it. And unless you're really able to, to control that, really able to know people, then you risk, you know, whether you're intending to do something or not. And I truly believe that all of these companies are really after providing better care. But in some instances, there's things that they do that are just because of a lack of information or because of they have the wrong information that they do it and that breaks the trust and then it's nearly impossible to get it back.
0: Yeah. I think uh, one of the themes I've seen come across from your, your neck of the woods of the Accenture community is humanizing healthcare. I think it's been kind of a overarching, I guess, uh, theme. And it, it makes me wonder, too, of the things we're talking about today about trust and personalization and all these kind of things, I think if you just boil it down, it sounds like what you're saying is for the healthcare system really to be effective in addition to all the data silos that you guys are working on project-wise, it's really just how do you make the relationship an authentic reflection of what life looks like between two people? Like if you're in a marriage or in a deep relationship with somebody, you know, you trust them because they know you, they know the good and the bad things, But at the end of the day, they're always working for your good. They're on your side. They want to see you succeed. They want to see you, you know, achieve and and overcome things. And that's the type of relationship it sounds like we're trying to get to. When you're humanizing healthcare, you really just want to mimic a healthy relationship that results in in, in a happy and
2: healthier person. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is just treat me like a person, you know, not a patient, not a member. Just treat me like a person. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's when really you start to get that. And that's absolutely what the, the humanizing healthcare, you know, uh, messaging is trying to get at.
0: That makes sense. I like that. You should, you should, you should, uh, trademark that Treat me like <laughs> a person, not a patient <laughs> www.mattferrell.com trademark. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one. That's a good nugget. Well, that's good. So we're now at Accenture with your career. What are you seeing, like looking out from the business into the market itself of healthcare, Since you work across all these different pieces, which very few people can do that, by the way, which is kind of cool, payer, provider, the pharmaceutical companies, and even the public health side. What are some of the emerging trends you're seeing that that we should help our listeners be aware of?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, the pandemic has been very interesting from that perspective. It just put tremendous strain um, on the healthcare industry in general. But you know, trying to look for the positive things that came out of it, I, I've never seen the industry react so quickly. Um, you're talking about providers who, all of a sudden, you know, had to become supply chain experts, and you're talking about regulations that are changing, uh, you know, hourly in terms of who who can receive this vaccine and who can, and what's that going to look like, and how are we going to manage contact tracing, and how do we then? Uh, communicate that message out to this broad workforce of, of agents who are getting all these phone calls and need to know the, the latest and greatest. And it's it's an industry that's not exactly known for, for innovating quickly, historically, mm-hmm. or, or having to, quite honestly. And, and all that changed so much during the pandemic. And I think for the most part, you know, you're seeing success stories come out of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think generally we saw... We saw these um, different players across the healthcare spectrum be able to react to it in ways that that uh, with a muscle that hadn't really been tested before. So to me, that's what I see a lot of now is okay. How do we take this newfound agility? How do we take this this realization that we do have the power to move fast if that's what we want to go do and, and apply it to some of these challenges that are out there, um, in the healthcare you know in the healthcare environment. So, you know, we see a lot of that. We'd see a lot of us kind of talked about for this idea that, okay, well, now that we've, we've proven that we can do this, let's go try to solve that actual, um, you know, longitudinal patient challenge where we can actually understand what's going on somebody across the board. Whereas before that was certainly something that, these different companies wanted to go do but maybe it was it was such a big problem that it was it was always something on the horizon and never something that they were really willing to go tackle in the moment we're seeing a lot of different interest in going after that and that's truly across the spectrum between um hospital systems and payers and and public health entities both in the u.s and internationally Um, Mm -hmm. and in some cases internationally they're even better set up to do it just because of the way that their healthcare environments are structured um Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the ways that they're more willing to share data, or data is more available to some of those entities.
0: That makes sense. So what you're saying is you're seeing uh, in the healthcare space writ large across all the industries, a willingness to move fast. You're seeing a newfound agility of like looking at problems and quickly coming to decisions. And it sounds like you're also seeing people focus on different aspects of felt they may not have been focused on, right? Whether it's supply chain, kind of a new thing to think about. And I know that, you know, one of the things that, you know, I've heard a lot about too is like the idea of health equity, like looking at everybody at different levels of society accesses healthcare differently. They need different things. You know, maybe they just need some nutrition rather than a full-blown interventional operation. And the idea of personalizing data, aggregating data as as you being a healthcare tech guy, like that can address all sorts of things you know, those, those and agility things, but also like, how do we make things more accessible and more fair for people that maybe not have, you know, an understanding of the healthcare system and ability to navigate that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it really, personalization is a huge trend right now in general because it does start to get into some of those things. So, you know, I mean, uh, you thinking back, you know, if you had chronic chronic disease, chronic disease, there's, there's, you know, there's a path that you get put on and it was kind of the same for everybody. And that worked for some people and it didn't work for other people, mm-hmm. but that's sort of what it looks like. Um, and now we're seeing a world where we do have more of this data available to actually create treatment programs, treatment plans that are more specific to the individual that take into account, sure, you know, the disease, disease state that you, you find yourself with, but also um, what are the specific things about you, about the environment that you're in that require you to be mm-hmm. the treated or, um, you know, provided different opportunities that are going to be more effective and in, in ultimately resulting in a, in a positive outcome for you. And that really does get into health equity a lot. I mean, you know, if you think about these companies and, and they're all businesses as well. And where do we want to invest to really have the most outcomes? Well, if you look at it and you understand that somebody's in a food desert, somebody has uh, access to transportation issues and you go address that for them, that, that does have a, a, a benefit on your bottom line in terms of the ultimate cost that you end up, you know, from a a medical perspective or administrative Mm. perspective in terms of managing it. And so when you're able to truly personalize care based on, you know, the specifics of your disease state and, and your, uh, your personal situation, then you're able to do a lot more with that. And sort of the next phase of that, which I'm really excited about too is getting into more of genetics and being able to even, uh, predict, some of these you know, future disease states or, or um, illnesses that might be oncoming and, and being able to react to it proactively um, before mm-hmm. you get there at just a level of detail that we haven't been able to historically. So you see you know, personalization happening now and what benefit that has, but even more so the opportunities for it in the future and, and where this can really go.
0: So what you're saying is the minor- minority report, but in healthcare,
1: is that your time <laughs> right now? <laughs>
2: But the good parts of it, not the good bad parts. parts of okay, report. Got, it. Yeah.
1: got it, got it. Yes. That's, no, it that's data, baby. It's more more valuable than gold <laughs> these days. That's true.
0: That is true. And the cool thing about those, like, just to put it into an example, what you're talking about, Matt. So basically, for the listeners, if you can control and manage and have the data plus the trust with the individual in place, you could even be in a world where you have, you know, I I grew up, you know, with in the teaching space and tracking people was always considered to be a good thing until it wasn't a good thing. You know, like the mm-hmm. smart people are one bucket, the less smart people and the less smart, I mean, you have a specific track because you weren't able to customize everything. So you kind of bucket people and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But imagine yeah. a world where healthcare can be personalized based on a profile that is based on historical stuff that's been gathered. And maybe even the, the minority report genetic stuff of like, this is where <laughs> you could go in the future. So you can even have something where a person needs treatment a specific type of patient the healthcare company or the doctor knows that they get maybe they're in low-income neighborhood they don't have a car you already know that you can flag that with the doctor saying hey they've got an appointment on tuesday at 11 o'clock they don't have a car can you please make sure the social worker or whoever gets a car ordered for them so they get picked up they also have a hard time reading some of the complex medication they need a, a treatment plan and explanation from the doctor in a little more detail on how to take things and maybe some specific take-home materials that are a little more catered to, you know, the, the, the way they digest information. And then there's a follow-up where we know the person doesn't have good internet. So maybe there's a caseworker that goes in there from a government program and checks in on them uh, two weeks out. And the pharma company also knows this in advance so that the medications they're getting are tracked, treated. And then as new stuff comes on the market or stuff goes generic, they get kind of filtered into that patient's profile as well. So you're you're talking about this whole care of a person that goes down to the level of need uh, that actually makes people healthier. Is that a good example of how this could all work together for good and not for evil?
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, how just knowing these things can make every, every single component of the healthcare ecosystem come together to really drive that better outcome. I mean, you're absolutely right, and, and absolutely right as well around the importance of that for health equity, because you know, a lot of uh, health equity is, is knowing where the places where that care needs to be focused, and without that type of information, and without all the different pieces coming together, you really can't, can't go at it holistically, so I think that's a great sure. example. I love that. Well, as
0: we come up on time here, is there any nugget, uh, any one thing that you can give to the listeners um, something that you wish you knew when you're getting to healthcare space or maybe an emerging trend that you see coming down the pike that maybe that people aren't thinking about, but should be thinking about.
2: You know, I was was thinking about this and my own experience and, um, and we've talked about today, all these complexities in the healthcare ecosystem and the nuances. And, and I think that can be intimidating to some folks who are thinking about getting into this space, but then they just think wow, it's it's so complicated. And there's so much to learn. And I think that can be, uh, you know, perceived barrier. And I, I, you know, my personal experience when I think back on it, I, I think I wish I would have of dove in more. I wish I would have even just said, you know what? There, there is a lot of complexity here, but don't let that overwhelm you. You know, there still there's still opportunity to, to think about it differently, and in fact, a need to think about it differently. And that that mindset, that perspective, is really important. So, more than anything else, I would just encourage people to not get overwhelmed with the complexity that's out there today and to not let that stop them from trying to jump in and, and solve some of these problems just because they've been problems for a long time doesn't mean that with the changes in the, the industry that we've seen, the changes in technology, that they, they need to be problems that are out there for a long time in the future. So um, that'd be my advice to anybody who's who's thinking about getting to this space or maybe thinking about doing something a little bit different and you know, just worried that, that they may not have the expertise and the, you know, 20 plus years of experience to really go at these problems say, look, you know, it, it takes smart people um, with different perspectives coming at this and, you know, jump in.
1: Totally. I like that a lot, especially as somebody that came from uh, concert production yeah. is now is working <laughs> in, in the healthcare space. So, yeah, it, it takes all types.
0: There's hope for everyone. I mean, <laughs> Hope for everyone. That's right. That's great. Well, hey, Matt, thanks again for joining the show. Great to have you on. Thank you for sharing your insights. And we look forward to seeing you around next time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks,
1: guys. Yep, yeah, and thanks to all the listeners out there listening to the show today. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all our social medias. And we will see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at
1: KPP Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.